I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. everybody thank you for tuning in to uh another episode of ordinary to extraordinary i'm welcoming you today because when ben does it he does it just like that and he's all like goofy and weird and official so thanks for listening i'm steven that's ben i just i'm ben we're recording on zoom today so our audio quality might be a little less than it normally is uh ben is at home because if anybody that doesn't follow our social media doesn't already know that Ben has a new baby boy. You want to talk about that a little bit, Ben? Sure. Yeah. We Sunday at five oh one a.m. We welcomed little Charlie to the world. Uh, it was a we went to the hospital at midnight. Charlie arrived at five, so it was five hours of of pushing and just oh, a real swell time. I'm sure, as my wife would uh, agree, but. After we were done, we're, this is really off topic and not the way I should start this. We were both like, you know what? I'm kind of happy to be done with this whole birthing thing. Like, we're only having two. This is our second. Like, I'm kind of glad we're done with this. <laughs> well, do you have your vasectomy planned already? Mentally, at least I'm preparing for it. But mm-hmm. it's not scheduled. But uh, so, no, Charlie came into the world. Happy, healthy man. Uh, has a little hematoma on his head, which is like a little growth because he came in at nine pounds, four ounces. So, big dude. Jeez, that's a bowling ball. Yeah, he's a big boy. And uh, so he had a little hematoma. It was just basically a little, like, fluid pocket on his head on the exterior of his skull. Nothing terribly bad, but they're watching it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But other than that, man, good, good little dude. Doesn't really cry. Just happy in your arms. Not sleeping, obviously, a whole lot. But, uh, but that's okay. We're good. What, what's that? I was knocking on wood because you said he yeah. doesn't really cry. Weston's doing good too, actually, with it all. He's like super excited to see Charlie. So Weston's our two and a half year old, and he like goes out there, hold him, hold him, and he'll sit on the couch next to him and hold him, and we'll give him a kiss on his forehead and stuff. So he's doing well with it. You never know, like you know, with the youngest or the oldest, how they're gonna adapt to having uh, a new baby in the house. But he's done well, and he's helpful. And we were having breakfast this morning, Weston and I, and he's he heard Charlie crying. Ooh, Charlie, mad. <laughs> when you hear Charlie cry Charlie mad. six and eight and beating the crap out of each other <laughs> yeah, they're going to be older and just beating wailing on each other I'm Seriously. a believer in boys beating up on each other though I think it builds character so don't don't discourage it too much like yeah let them oh no they're boys being boys right no, I mean that was me and my brother roughhousing just yeah. don't put a hole in my drywall go outside <laughs> put his head through something else <laughs> yeah just don't make me freaking have to repair the drywall okay 
Yeah. So no, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, Thanks. I'm yeah, curious, like when you get the snip, like for most men, it means a weekend on the couch, icing their balls and watching sport. What does a guy that doesn't watch sport do? Or that doesn't sit well do? Yeah. I mean, if we could do it in the summer, I could just go to the lake and sit at the lake and look at the lake all weekend, which I'd be okay with. There you go. Beer in hand. Painkillers in one hand, beer in the other. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good combo, right? A little painkillers, <laughs> a little beer. Sounds like a good Saturday night. You need something to wash them down, right? Yeah. So, no, I mean, if it's during the summer, just go to the lake and I cool. just chill. I could watch movies at the lake while everyone goes out of the lake, and then I could go sit on the beach. They could roll, drive me down in the car. And Cool. Well, let's get moving on our topic. Let's frame it a little bit. So I was in Milwaukee last weekend, didn't get back in until Monday evening. We normally record on Mondays. Ben was one day removed from childbirth, so that probably wouldn't have worked even if I was in town. So we're recording this on Thursday. To be honest, it was one of the, those weeks where we were kind of, we weren't in contact much. Obviously, you've been busy. I've been busy playing catch up. And this morning we were talking topics and I threw one out and Ben shot it down. I was like, let's talk politics. I understand his reluctance to do so. And it may be- Plus, everyone gets enough politics, really. Who wants to hear yeah. more about politics? And honestly, for me, it was, when I talk politics, it's not partisan. So I think that's where a lot of people get scared. They're like, oh my God, he's going to be crazy Trump. He's going to be crazy Biden. Which one is it? But for me, it was my thought was non-partisan. But then we kind of developed some thoughts and shot texts back and forward. And what we came up with for you guys is we want to share some leaders slash companies that we admire. And I don't think mine will be any surprise. But Nike. No, well, maybe I'll be able to put some, uh, some context to it for people that don't know the history of some of the companies that I really do support. So, yeah, we're going to do three apiece, I think we said, right? Sure. So I'm intrigued to see what Ben comes up with. And like I said, at least two of mine shouldn't be a surprise. But all three of mine, leaders and companies, are things that I use on a daily basis. That's funny. Mine have a theme as well, but it's a little different. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to let you go first. Do you want to do one in one or do you want to do all three of yours? Because what we're going to do is we're going to bring things up and we're going to discuss. Um, we're probably going to learn a little bit from each other as well. And we hope that you guys learn a little bit too. Yeah, I don't know if it's learning as much. I mean, yeah, maybe it's learning. I don't know what it is. But I, I, the theme that I kind of – I was think, thinking about companies that I like, you know, and it's not even things that I use a whole lot or anything like that, just leaders that I admire, uh, thought leaders that I admire, businesses that I admire. And there was a common thing, theme uh, amongst kind of the companies. And it was either, one, they were a risk taker, kind of a maverick within their own industry. They appreciate – uh, their employees, their team members, their colleagues, and just an air of kindness and good character amongst the leadership of the company is what I came. And so I'll just say my three, and then we can, my, actually, I've kind of got a few more, and, and it would really be in, for different reasons for each of these, right, is Tesla, Virgin, Ford back in like the 20s, 30s, and then Costco. That's four. I know. I do what I want. <laughs> Stephen just nods his head. This is true. This is true. I went over when we talked about books, so you can go over now. Yeah, you did go over when we talked about books. I, ended up, I think we said five books a piece, and I probably talked about nine. <laughs> so, and I can share a little bit uh, about, so Tesla is a company that I've always kind of thought was interesting mm -hmm. 
for one, they are kind of a little bit of a first mover, right, within the industry. They're not the first mover in electric cars or anything like that, but they are an early adopter kind of in that industry, if you will, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so, and a lot of the most brilliant people out there, I think, are off their rockers. And I think Elon Musk is a little bit off his rocker, which I'm okay with that. I love the guy. Yeah. I think he's amazing. I've actually said, I think I know when parents talk about their kid having ADD or ADHD or some type of disorder, really it's like, that is a gift of some of the most brilliant people in the world is these, I'm doing air quotes, these quote unquote disorders, right? That these kids have, it's like, talk about a unique gift when directed, difficult, I understand, but when directed in a positive way can be really just beneficial for the world. So I like the way that Elon thinks, I like his out of the box thinking, the funny thing is, right, from a, the financial advisor guy, right? So it's like you look at Tesla and you look at Tesla's share price. And I will say price is a is, is value, right? I mean, it's someone's perception of value, how much value you bring to the world, right? So there is price in, this, in, in the idea from a price to earnings standpoint where it's, hey, that's the PE ratio, right? That's a calculation that we use in finance to determine the value of a company where the PE ratio for Tesla is off the charts. It's market cap. So that share price times the amount of shares outstanding is worth more than that of GM, Ford, something combined. I can't remember the company. Like it's, it, it makes absolutely no sense from a financial standpoint why Tesla is valued at its current value. And I probably can't even talk about some of this stuff. So I might have to do a disclaimer. I'm not advocating you buy Tesla. I'm not doing any of that type of stuff. I'm just saying it's interesting that it's priced at where it is because it doesn't necessarily make sense financially. People's perception though, is that Tesla is demonstrating value, right? Tesla is demonstrating value and they're the first mover. They're a maverick within an industry. And I think that's where some people in my industry have a hard time with it because they look at it as a peer established company where I'm looking at it as the, this is a company that is thinking outside of the box in a lot of different respective fields. And I just like that. I like people that are willing to take risks, get out of their comfort zone and do something different too. And I feel like that's what that company's mantra is. Can I quantify a little bit on Tesla? I think what frightens traditional investors and people in your industry specifically about Tesla, and it shouldn't because we've seen numerous examples of this. Apple do it. I'm Spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about Apple a little bit when I talk, <laughs> but Apple do it as well. They're, he's disrupting multiple industries, right? So... Mm-hmm. First off, the, the intangible in all of this is and will always be Elon Musk, as long as he's around. And I know you mentioned Virgin as well, so you're probably going to talk about similar things when you get to Richard Branson. He is the, he's the wild card because he is sharp enough, he's yeah. smart enough, and he's agile enough as an individual and as a company that they got into electric cars, they're making solar panels, they're making batteries for houses, they're going to do their, their uh, low orbit satellites to essentially give internet all over the world at any time. So Comcast are shitting themselves. Cellular networks are shitting themselves. So he's, he's got so many fingers and toes and so many different pies that there's such a diversification that people in your industry are going, oh my God, we like diversification, but not when we don't know what direction a company's going to go in. So there's such an X factor because you can't look at them and say they're going to be here in a year. The only reason that Tesla isn't double the price it is now. And this is my opinion. Again, Ben is not recommending that you buy this stock. The only reason they're not double the price right now is because of some of the supply issues they've had 
and I'm not recommending anything either way. Let's just go. I'm not rating you buy it or sell it or anything. I am neutral, just but so we're clear. The production issues they've had with the cars obviously not come back. The stupid friggin' accident they had when they were trying to demonstrate that awful looking truck when he tried to smash it with a hammer. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Actually. Um, I think they got more press because of that, though. Yeah, so mishaps aren't always bad. But no, Elon Musk is absolutely the X factor, if you're asking me. Mm-hmm. That, that's the intangible piece that you can't, you can't say. Analysts can't look and go, here's where they're going to be. They try. Well, it's funny, it's funny you talk about that with Apple, a little bit the same thing with Steve Jobs, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you look at Apple's resurgence when Jobs came back, right? How he got kicked out of his own company, came back, a resurgence of it, and now Tim Cook is kind of taking it over, right? I think you can't replace those guys. You can't replace the Jobs and the Musks. So but you could thunder. certainly get people like Cook who ride the curtails of it and continue to fan that fire, if yeah. you will, right? And, exactly. and people can speak into it and feed into that whole corporate philosophy and idea of thinking. And if the company is established enough, you know, like I think Tesla will get to, and Apple is, then the employees can carry on the jobs mantra philosophy of the world. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I like to play in, uh, I like to play in the, the single stock market, right? So I buy some individual stocks. Most of my money, my big money is in mutual funds, but I made some money here over the last few months speculating, which is fun. When I say some money, I'm not talking vast sums, millions or anything like that. But I made really good money over the last three to four months sort of predicting what's going to happen with some stocks. I'm still holding one that's still climbing. It was up today, even though the rest of the market was down again, which I love when that happens. Um, But where I'm going with this is that I haven't touched Tesla stock because similar to a lot of the analysts in your uh, industry, I just don't like the volatility of it all. I feel like tomorrow he could bugger off from California to Texas because of regulations or find out that he's getting fined all this money for going. Like I've never seen, and I was so proud of him, when he basically put his balls on the table, pardon the expression. <laughs> it was about a month, month and a half ago where he wasn't allowed to open his plant in California. California, yeah. And he said, hey, I'm going to open it. And if you arrest anybody, arrest me. And two days later, the, the regulations had changed because he said, I'll go to Texas. I'll take my plant to Texas if you don't if you don't let me open. And The only auto manufacturing company still in California. Yeah. And think Talking about a state trying to kill themselves. Yeah. How much tax dollars do you think they generate between the income of the employees and everything else? But yeah, I, I really like Tesla. Wasn't one that I gave much thought to to talk about this, but I'm right there with you. Who's next? I think you are. Let's talk about Apple. We already brought it up. Let's go back and forth a little bit. That that was a nice back and forth, actually. I mean, it, okay. and they fit. Yeah, so my, it's not an individual at Apple when it comes to me and doing this. So if you think of the history of Apple, right? So you mentioned Steve Jobs. Um, the one you left out was Steve Wozniak. And was, right? So when they founded the company, this is, this is kind of genius and probably by accident. Simon Sinek often talks about the fact that not everybody can be a Steve Jobs. Not everybody can be a visionary. Not everybody can be that charismatic, stand in front of people, sell Santa, an Egyptian kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. So they had an interesting dynamic in that Jobs' one prerequisite was, I'll sell the shit out of this. 
And Wozniak's number one prerequisite was I'm going to make the best product we possibly can with the Apple One, right? And the Apple One, when you look at it now, is not much more than a fancy calculator. But if you look at the 30-year history of that company, so we're talking, what, late 70s, early 80s, so... 90, 2000, so, so 30, almost 40 years, right? It's, it's not an old company, but in 40 years, they've gone from basically a desktop calculator that can do sums and do word processing <laughs> to a device we all carry in our pocket every single day. Do you see my notes, by the way? Look. Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, Anything good? Anything good? Every single day, we use it to, when we go to the toilet, because we're reading, right, or watching videos. We watch movies on it. We send messages on it. We talk on it. We educate ourselves on it. I mean, everything short of making your dinner, and it does that now if you think about it, because it connects to Traeger apps and fancy fridges and all this shit. So from a calculator... You can make your dinner and then you can call Uber Eats and they can bring it up to your house. From a calculator slash desktop word processor to what we have in our hands every day. And they're disrupting multiple markets. Think about it, right? So cell phones, music players, the the music industry was completely revolutionized by Apple, right? Mm -hmm. Because people stopped buying CDs for albums and started buying individual songs. iTunes, absolutely revolutionized music, as did Napster and stuff from illegal downloads. So what they did is they took an illicit the legal action and said, hey, we're going to make a marketplace for this. I mean, people still steal music, but most of the time it's through the people who would rather have a Spotify or a Pandora or something like that. Again, operates on Apple devices as well as others. Um, the watch market, they make watches. <laughs> I've got a $500 watch on my wrist. I never thought I would spend $500 on a, on a watch. But it does so much more than that. It's a fitness tracker. It's a watch. I can get messages on it. I can speak on it if I want. Call, oh, yeah. Right? Headphones. They own Beats by Dre. AirPods. Remember oh, when? Up. Remember when you would see a guy walking down the street with one of those Bluetooth things in his ear, and you thought he was oh. an absolute douche nozzle? Yeah. <laughs> now the entire world thinks it's cool because of these little white headphones that have no wire. Yeah. So. Dude, what- Bugged me is when they freaking kept the Bluetooth in their ear when they were talking to you in person. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're talking leadership. We talked to Elon Musk. I want to talk about the leadership and the secession. You actually touched on it already. I was like, don't yep. steal my thunder. Don't steal my thunder, right? Don't so steal. we had basically a technician and a visionary. And they worked and they worked and they worked. And they grew Apple. And then they kind of hit some rocky to where they sold enough of the company and they had a, a board have you watched the movie Jobs? Like, do you know the story there about why Steve Jobs got kicked out? No. Well, Just I might, but I don't. Essentially, he got kicked out because he was unwavering in his beliefs, right? And the, the beliefs, if you listen to Simon Sinek and everything else, their mission is to challenge the status quo, right? Yeah. So Jobs got a little cocky, wasn't worried about making money, which you still have to be as CEO, and they fired him. The board fired him from his own company, right? Well, he left, started a different company, actually made a bunch of money and sold it. I think I want to say it was to Netscape or something like that. I might be wrong. And who they brought in was, do you know who it was? Do you remember the famous quote? No. The guy was a former CEO of Pepsi. And the way they got, Steve Jobs actually brought him in. And what he said to him was, he was a marketing guy. He said, 
do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to be revolutionary and change the world? So he came and joined Apple for a few years. They fired Jobs. Jobs felt, I guess, betrayed. And when they brought him back, when, they, when, when Jobs came back, he went back to basics. He was like, hey, we're going to challenge the status quo. We're going to look at how do we get a Walkman into your pocket? How do we get 5,000 songs in your pocket? That was their, their thing, right, with the iPod. They were still making computers. They changed their name from Apple Computers to Apple Inc. to better represent the fact that they were diversifying. And then, obviously, Jobs stepped down as CEO in 2011. He became chairman of the board. And Tim Cook stepped in. Tim Cook's background is fascinating because he's a finance guy. He's not a visionary guy. Yeah. But because the vision was set... Oh, I almost stole your thunder, didn't I? Ooh, we, almost, were getting border, I we were getting borderline yeah. thunder stealing. He's almost seamlessly come in as CEO. Yeah. And now he's every bit as synonymous with the vision of Apple as Steve mm -hmm. Jobs is. Steve Jobs is obviously gone. God rest his soul. Steve Jobs is gone and Tim Cook has carried on that legacy because the vision was set, right? Because the why was set, quote Simon Sinek. And it's been almost seamless. In fact, They've grown more. Their share price now, again, in your industry, is better than it's ever been, with some analysts saying it's going to be even better with this new technology they're going to release in September with their new phone. And they're always on that cusp. They're always improving. And this is, it came back to the, do you remember the term wabi-sabi? Wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi. Yeah. It's wasabi. Where basically wabi-sabi. Remember, I was talking about it and you looked it up and found a word for it. Well, you were talking about it, and I told you what the term was for it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you knew the term. Yeah, wabi-sabi is a Japanese word, if you didn't know that already. And what it means is that you're constantly improving, right? So the original iPhone had a bunch of bugs in it. Now we're at iPhone 11, about to be iPhone 12. And when iPhone 12 comes out, they're already working on iPhone 13 and the next one and the next one. And that's a beautiful concept, right? It's where you're constantly trying to get better. So this is, I love that concept too. So this is that whole thing. And I was talking with Lauren today about this, about like work, the amount of money you make and how to, um, a lot of people would look now and be like, why are you even worried like about making more money? It's like, I'm not worried about making more money. I'm not worried about the finances anymore. It's like, now I think about, it's like, and you've talked about this with me before. It's like, it's competing. It's that constant competition and constant improvement. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're competing, and this is probably a whole different podcast, we could have a wabasabi, wasabi, wabi-sabi podcast or something. And all about just constant improvement and the desire for constant improvement and how you feel like you're falling behind. Or, and it's not because you make a million dollars a year or a hundred thousand or whatever your goal is, right? It's, it's totally different. It's just something inside. But sorry, tangent, tangent. Oh, that's great. That's what we do. Tangents are what we do. Don't ever apologize for them. So... Going though, I mean, let's continue this theme because I mean, we've got a theme going here, and now let's just fly right into Virgin because <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. What fly right into Virgin? No pun, oh, intended. pun intended, yes, pun very much intended. Or we could cruise on in. I mean, you pick up, you pick it, whatever you want. But, I'm trying to grow my virginity back, so let's talk about Virgin. <laughs> Oh, let's go back. By the way, Next and Pixar were the two other companies that Steve Jobs founded. Okay, now we'll go to Virgin. Yeah, Next sold to Netscape, I want to say, or something like that. Okay. 
I don't know the ball. Obviously, he made a crap ton off of both of those. Yeah. Too. I mean, I think he made as much off Pixar as he did Apple, if I'm not mistaken. This is not a stock tip, but I do have Disney stock and keep adding to it because I do believe that Apple are going to buy Disney at some point in the next two years, just for the record. Okay. You still owe me a burger. Should we make a bet on that too? (laughs) Okay. Virgin. Talk about the company again. That I mean, it, he was probably, Richard Branson, was probably like what people look at Elon Musk and be like, what the actual are you doing, buddy? Like, he's you want to do... He's a lunatic. Yeah, he's a lunatic. That's a smart lunatic. You, you want to buy an island and you've got space stuff and you're Virgin Atlantic and you've got airlines and trains. Like, what are you even doing? Like, he is like, actually, when you think about the areas that Virgin is in, it's very similar <laughs> to... Musk, mm-hmm. to some degree, really. Yeah. I mean, it's like Elon Musk wants to be Richard Branson. Let me ask you this. Do you know how he made his fortune? Do you know what he made his fortune in? Uh, Branson? The his initial, island? No, the initial, where he made his initial money. No. I thought you might have done some research. No, I didn't. All right, so Virgin I got a Records, music industry. Apple destroyed Virgin. Oh, yeah. Apple destroyed Virgin, but he diversified. I'm just going to name some things. And he had more products in the UK. So I grew up with Richard Branson, right? Yeah. Uh, Virgin Megastore. Water's where you're from. Whenever there was an Apple, or sorry, a a record released, he would bring in the bands to his megastores. People would line up. It was almost like Tower Records, signings and all this stuff. So he made his money in records and music. When people used to go out and buy albums, whether it was a visionary move or an accidental move started to diversify. He's had Coca-Cola bottles. So he had Coke, the Virgin Coke bottle. So it was Virgin Cola. It was called the Pammy. So when Pamela Anderson was at her peak from uh, Baywatch, they made a bottle that basically when you looked at it, if you just looked at half of it, it looked like a woman standing with big boobs, but it was, seriously, you can pull it up on your phone right now. If you don't believe me, look up Virgin Cola Pammy. There was a bottle called the Pammy and people went crazy for it buying this Virgin Cola because it was associated with Pamela Anderson, P-A-M-M-Y. At one point, so when British Airways and Air France were shutting down Concord, he wanted to buy the fleet of Concords because he was a billionaire. They wouldn't sell to him. The government wouldn't sell to him. He's like, give them to me. I'll run them under Virgin Air because this was where he just started, Virgin Atlantic. Did you find it? I know you're looking it up. Yeah, but I don't see how it looks like a woman. I mean, it's kind of... It's called the Pammy, the bottle. Yeah, like, cover half the bottle and think of the shape. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. (laughs) There's a picture of Pamela Anderson next to the bottle. It's like the curves and everything. Anyway, that's... It it sounds outlandish. It's so true, right? It's it's on the Google. It has to be true. And it is true. I lived through this. Um, But yeah, so... I don't don't believe anything you say. He got into, how am I talking about your thing instead of you talking about it? Because you got excited. Yeah. He obviously has his private island, but he got into the airline game. island. They wouldn't sell him the Concords. The Concords are literally under mothballs. Some of them are in museums. The rest are literally sitting in Paris in in an airline hangar. Yeah, which is so weird. Why did did they not, like, so he just made his own? Well, there was a crash. So one of them blew up or something. One of the Concord blew up. So... The reason that they stopped flying the Concorde, they said, was somewhat to do with safely, but it was mostly economics. Air yeah. France and British Airways just didn't have enough money to do it. Air, air travel was getting cheaper, but it used to be 
the, the, the banner Concorde flight was London to New York. And what they always used to market it with was you could take off and land before you took off because it was less than a, a five-hour time difference and you could fly there in four and a half hours. So if you took off at 9 a.m., you were technically landing at 8.30 a.m. in New York. So you're landing before you take off kind of thing, like messing with time and all that shit. Hmm. Richard Branson is an amazing example. And I do want to know what you know about him, though. <laughs> it's less of what I know about him and more just to, like I think the idea that he was successful from being young is kind of cool and attractive right he buys the island when he's in his early 20s or whatever it was mm -hmm. Island, and turns it into something it's like now you can VRBO <laughs> yep. I was like that's pretty freaking sweet but just the idea of it, the risk taking side but then also his just island attitude to everything I kind of like like he's working in like a Hawaiian shirt right? Just how badass is that, man? The idea that he is just creating all of these massive industries, and it seems like he's doing it from an island in a very much, I'm drinking a Mai Tai laid back way. I'm like, that is badass. I want to do that. <laughs> but also seems, and I don't know if this is true, but they seem to really take care of their people. Like he has that, I, I, I kind of shared initially, right? It's like people who take risks, people who take care of their team and their colleagues, and uh, show appreciation in that. And more than just like, a, oh, we pay our people way, right? You know, it's like they express it differently too. And he mm -hmm. seems to be the type of individual as an employer that expresses his appreciation for his team in more than just a way. I, I know employers out there, and I don't think this is the way employers should be, where they're like, well, you get a paycheck. That's appreciation enough. It's like, you can have that attitude, but yep. that isn't how you're going to grow and become something terribly successful, right? It's like, you want a self-limiting attitude? That's a self-limiting attitude. Whether or not you, well, I pay them. That's enough motivation, isn't it? I've heard people say that. And it's just like, holy crap. Like, you, you think you're going to grow having the attitude? It's like, a, a paycheck should be motivation enough. Okay, good luck. Yeah. Like, that doesn't That's keep people around. More... That doesn't that doesn't help people retain or feel like they're part of a community that's going to be dedicated to you for the long term. That's and I feel I, like he has that attitude. Sorry, Stephen. I think Branson was ahead of his time with that attitude, and that you know the eighties was very much a hey we're paying you well enough, take your money or bugger off, we'll hire somebody else. That was like Reaganomics, right? President Reagan was well known for basically saying hey, do your job stop striking or I'm just going to fire you and get other people, right? He was kind of the instigator of all of that. And then it became for 20 years where you just shut up and did your job. And then, um, obviously, more recently, we've had thought leaders, whether it be Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, Malcolm Gladwell, guys like that, that they're starting to bring back that future thinking mentality where it's like, hey, it's got to be bigger. It's got to be more to people than just showing up and getting a paycheck. Um, so, yeah. But I'll say there are there also to the other side of that is like, again, growing up in business owner families, having a lot of family uh, friends who are business owners. It's like, I think there's a lot of employees out there that don't appreciate how business owners bend over backwards for them either too. So it's like, if your employer is doing a lot, like don't be that dick of an employee that doesn't, you know, feel appreciated. Because at some point it's your own damn fault, right? And I do get the Reagan side of things too, where it's like, because I'd be the same way. It's like, if... I'm doing all of these things for you and I'm doing my best to show my appreciation. I'm paying you well. I'm giving you benefits packages. I, you know, 
go to the love languages. I'm, I'm understanding your love languages and I'm trying to make you feel valued. And that's Steven's laughing over here. He just put his head down on the table. But really, right. It's like, if you, your immediate team that you're managing, if, if you are showing like figured out how it is that they feel valued and you're speaking to that and you're showing them value and they still are not playing nicely, well then fire them. Right. It's like, I have that attitude too. The Reagan side where it's like, I'll go find somebody else. Remember Tyler Lafferty told me this one once and he'll probably not like me saying it on a podcast because like, everybody's replaceable. doesn't matter who you are. Everybody in a company is replaceable. Why so don't think it's so that? valuable. He, What's said that? he said that on our podcast. I'm pretty sure. Oh, did he? I, I brought it up probably. He said that years and years and years and years ago to me when we were on a board and yeah. uh, I was like, wow, that sounds cutthroat. <laughs> and I was early twenties on a board with him and it was like that. Okay. Wow. Um, but I, and then, you know, as I've grown in business, it's like, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's replaceable. You don't want to have to replace people and you want to have a family and of, of, of colleagues that's dedicated to your collective, you know, each other, but if they don't want to play nice, she yeah. don't. So uh, Richard Branson actually pissed me off a few months ago. Uh-oh. Oh, you personally? Like, it was – did you guys get in a little tiff again or something? No, so – Your neighbor back home? Like, what would you <laughs> – Do you ever watch Shark Tank? Yeah. So I, I love it. Like, I really do. And I, I, I just really appreciate the ingenuity of it. I also appreciate the advice that the uh, the sharks give, right? Mark Cuban's one of my favorite people. He's not made my list today, but I think as a sports owner, CEO, entrepreneur, he's just, he's brilliant. I really appreciate Mark Cuban. I also like how he can talk politics, but stay bipartisan. Um, You know, he'll call Trump a moron, he'll call Biden a moron, he'll call Hillary Clinton a moron, he'll call George W a moron. It doesn't matter. He'll, and he'll he'll give them- They're all morons, moral of the story. But anyway, I've always liked Mark Cuban. So this person is pitching. I can't remember what they were pitching. And Mark Cuban basically told them the idea was stupid. And I agreed with him. And it wasn't that the idea was stupid. It was like, you've got a half-baked concept. You're not putting anything in front of me that's tangible. This is something that you can't patent. What was it? I'll have to send you the video. And he kind of ripped him apart and... Richard Branson was kind of like, hey, you can't shit on people's dreams like that and was all kind of lovey-dovey about it. And Mark Cuban was like, hey, Richard, like my job is to be critical of these people. They're coming and asking for my money. I give them the money and they take the money and they make me more money. That's the concept of this. Um, And essentially they argued for a bit and then (laughs) Cuban didn't say anything too bad, but Branson picked up his glass of water and flung it on Cuban. What? literally flung his glass of water. I'll send you the video. It's like a 10 minute video. Um, and I was like, whoa. Like, Did Cuban not... get pissed? Yeah, that's not okay. Oh, Cuban was pissed. Yeah. But um, yeah, so he pissed me off because I, I don't think you should ever act like that. Like, No, that's Cuban not was, good behavior. Mark Cuban was right. But when you've got billions of dollars in the bank, I guess you're not really used to people checking you and saying, no, actually you're wrong. <laughs> you're going to have to like this censor my language. That's called, what we call fuck you money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from them, I'm going to save my favorite company for last. Um, I want to talk about, do you know John Laguerre? No. Nope. Right. So I, I mentioned that the three companies I was going to bring up 
were three things, three companies that I use on a daily basis. So you know what my last company is going to be, obviously. My first one was Apple. What's something else that I use every freaking day? The gym. And rave about it. Nope. The toilet. <laughs> A good BM on the toilet. It's not Polar. <laughs> or Armitage Shanks. No, it's uh, John Legiri was. He's not anymore. He's recently stepped Volkswagen. Uh, CEO of T-Mobile. T-Mobile. Is that um, the goofball guy that's always shooting videos from his kitchen? Long-haired guy, yeah. So Yeah. Looks like a wannabe Richard Branson. Yeah, funnily enough, we're continuing the the theme here. So from Musk, maybe not so much Jobs, but Musk, Branson, and Legiri have a lot in common, and that they're 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 not just changing industries; they're kind of goofy and they're all rich. They're, they're out there, right? <laughs> but there hasn't been in the telecom world a large merger in a long time. And Legiri didn't just get the Sprint T-Mobile merger over the line. Like they had it done four or five years ago and they had to go through basically three years of legis- or sorry, uh, litigation to get it over the line because of the end. They were going to be bigger than, so they're now officially bigger than AT&T, Verizon, um, like T-Mobile and Sprint coming together. And what it's allowed them to do is this 5G migration. They can essentially switch everybody to the Sprint network or the T-Mobile network while they upgrade the other one. And then when they switch them all on 5G, they're going to have more coverage than everybody. They're going to be faster than everybody. But beyond that, what I like about him was he revolutionized the industry. It absolutely cracks me up when people tell me, oh, I've used too much data this month because I've been with them since I came to this country. I think I was one of their charter first customers. Like T-Mobile hasn't been in this country very long. And I've had unlimited data for at least 12 years and it doesn't get throttled and they call it the uncarrier network. This was his thing. He's like, we don't want to be like other carriers. We don't want to nickel and dime you for data. We don't want to nickel and dime you for using it when you go to Canada and Mexico. And if you want to call people in the UK, call people in the UK. They were the first network to allow Wi-Fi calling. So instead of using my network to call Scotland, I can use my Wi-Fi network and it costs nothing. Sweet. So... Obviously, for me, there's a personal part there. But I just, if you look into John Legiri, what he did for T-Mobile, and then once he got all this regulatory stuff over the line for that merger, he was like, job's done. I'm going to step back. Now, there's a CEO that's better, mergers, acquisitions, and such. And he got out of the way because he knew this guy would better move the company forward. What's he doing now? I believe he's just chairman emeritus. I can look it up here. Hold on. Um, That's yeah, but yeah, I have seen that guy's videos. I forgot that was his name. So it says here in November 2019, Ligiri announced via his Twitter account that he would be stepping down as CEO for T-Mobile on April 30th, 2020, when his current contract expires. Uh, Mike Siver, who was chief operating officer at the time, was announced as his replacement. Changed the original plan, blah, blah, blah. Following the merger with Sprint being completed early, Ligiri officially resigned as CEO on April 1st. Doesn't say what he's doing now. I was like, not only that, though, I feel like that guy's going to have something that he's been working on. Like his plan was to, I'm going to get a lot of like online fame. People are going to start to know me. I'm going to exit at the top of the news cycle here when I get my company merged and I'm going to go shoot off and do something else. I'm a little surprised he hasn't announced something that he's doing, but I bet you in the next couple of months, I wouldn't be surprised. 
Yeah. I mean, or he's sailing off into the sunset. Who knows? But that'd be surprising too. Well, he doesn't need money. I mean, if we looked up his net worth, let's do that. I'm sure he's got a couple zeros behind it. John Legiri's net worth, 300 million. Yeah, if he can't retire on that. He's an older dude as well. I mean, he's got to be in his 60s. Born 58. Yeah, he's in his 60s. He's 61. So yeah, if you can't retire on 300 million, you're in bad shape. <laughs> yeah, you got uh, maybe too much debt. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that was a great one. And he does, he has got some kooky videos, but again, you think about the CEOs of these companies, a lot of them just are a little bit off their rocker. They're just a little bit crazy. They say it's a fun uh, between genius. I, you stole my thunder, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> this is like payback for earlier. You thought I was going to get you with the, the jobs, Wozniak and Cook thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, greatness, that thin line between crazy, that one. Yep, but well, you can't disagree so, with it. And I, I'm not gonna. We don't have to talk about this one for too long. But really, I think obviously just Henry Ford back in the day, in the whole assembly line and 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 the modernization of the assembly line. I mean, he really brought us into one hell of an age. Mm-hmm. So just not just revolutionizing the automobile industry, but obviously what the automobile industry did for every other industry too it's just like back in the day though but that was also the days of like the freaking cowboys of business when you could have monopolies and you could do things that aren't allowed in this day and age and you could be certain ways that probably also weren't allowed so not a whole lot to say there other than just like it's cool to see like the fords the rockefellers like and hear the stories of what these people did for their industry yeah that I don't think you could do in this day and age to the degree that they did because of some of the laws and regulations that are in place now, which are not necessarily bad laws and regulations, but just add that in there. Back in when he started trying to make automobiles, mass produce automobiles, people thought he was crazy. Like Henry. Well, they thought it was a fad. Well, automobiles would be a fad. You know, I'm a quote lover. Like my favorite quote from him is he's, he was basically saying screw you to everybody because he's like, Hey, if I had asked people what they wanted and listened to them, they would have told me they wanted faster horses. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I mean, think of the okay. automobile industry, how many Fords have been made, but to stick with Ford and this isn't my next one, but I do, did want to mention Alan Mulally. Like you've heard this story in one of Simon Sinek's books. Mm-hmm. So he came in as a CEO of Ford. Didn't take government bailout money in 2008. No, another reason why I like him. What's that? Another reason why I like him. Yeah, so he, uh, he he refused it. And one of the things was the previous CEO who had run them into the ground wouldn't hear anything negative. So if you were if he asked you a question, you gave him a negative answer, he would either fire you or demote you or you know, a lot of retribution. And he said it took about six six months for Alan Mulally to build the culture to where he's like hey, how's everything going? And people would be like, oh, it's great. And they would only give him positive things. And he's like, well, if everything's great and everything's positive, how are we still playing? So then it took one guy, apparently one day one guy says, well, hey, I think we can do this better. And Malali made an example of it about how that's what I want. And then now they've got this amazing culture at Ford that people actually speak out and improve things and processes. I think one of the uh, examples given is at Toyota, when they build the an automobile with spec they do it so precise that everything fits in and then the car goes off of the 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 line right the assembly line but at ford they had a guy with a mallet who used to have to hammer doors to get them into the spot 
because they never cut it precisely enough. And he's like, well, what if we cut the guy with the mallet out and actually do the engineering probably? <laughs> Seems simple, right? <laughs> Why do we have a guy with a mallet instead of cutting the thing right? <laughs> yeah, do the work right the first time. So, no, Alan Mulally's an ab that, that story that Simon Sinek tells in his book, and there's YouTube videos of it as well, but it's an absolute lesson in how feedback and culture is so important. Mm -hmm. right. Let's talk about your last company. My favorite company? Nike! Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I've, I could go through the history. I'll even ask some questions. Do you know what Nike was called originally, what it technically still is called, and I still get shipments from this company. I think I probably do, but I don't know the actual name. The DBA is Nike. D yeah, DBA is Nike. The legal name is Blue Ribbon Sports. Yeah, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, I've, I mean, the history of the company is fascinating, and they were actually a shoe importer. So um, the two founders are Phil Knight, who was a runner slash athlete. Phil Knight, yes. Runner slash athlete at the University of Oregon. And his coach when he was at the University of Oregon, Bill Bowerman, right? And basically, Phil Knight went to Japan, brought these shoes back called Otsunuka Tiger Shoes. You can still buy these, by the way. So the, the Nike Cortez, one of the most iconic Nike shoes, is actually based on the Otsunuka Tiger shoe. And mm. I, I could show you, like, it's, it almost looks like the ASIC symbol. The, uh, the, and mm -hmm. then there's just so many amazing stories. And some of the leadership at Nike was actually by accident and pig-headedness. But I do think there's a story there that just... So anyway, Phil, Bill Bowerman was always experimenting with shoes. He would have guys like stick rubber things on. And one of his biggest breakthroughs was he, uh, he was looking at a waffle iron once with his wife. His wife brought him waffle. Yeah. And he started pouring rubber into this waffle machine to see if he could create. And if you think some of the most iconic shoes on the, on the sole of them have that sort of waffle with the squares. Yeah, yeah. That's how he did it. So he started sticking rubber that he'd poured into his waffle machine onto these other shoes. And then him and Phil Knight, Phil Knight, who had ran for him as an athlete, came back and said, hey, I want to start this company. Bowerman spotted them the money and they started importing Tiger shoes. Bowerman was then part of the... R&D department for this Japanese company, sending them ideas. And essentially the Japanese tried to do them dirty and they started their own company. And the swoosh that they started with, nobody liked it. And they didn't like the name Nike. There was almost some outlandish name and I forget what it is now, but if you read Phil Knight's book, there's a whole paragraph, a whole uh, chapter on how the- Steven's getting so choked up about it. He just can't imagine what he would, what the world would have been without Nike. They paid somebody 50 bucks to make that. I know. <laughs> 50 bucks. $50. I have it on right now on multiple spots on my body and they paid somebody $50. And it's, I mean, they made her whole, like he talks about that as well. But anyway, we're talking leadership. So that was just a little history. Um, like they were the first company. Adidas weren't even doing this. Who were their major, Adidas and Puma, two German brands. But they were the first company to really go for major endorsements. And if you think about their major endorsements, the biggest one it brings to mind is Michael Jordan, right? They've also had a lot of other basketball players, Kobe, LeBron, you know, they're iconic in basketball, right? Tiger Woods, they took over the golf market apparel. Tiger Woods made it huge. Now they've got Brooks Kopka, Rory McIlroy, um, Jason Day, some of the best golfers in the world are wearing Nike now. 
uh, Mia Hamm, female soccer. And one of the best things is that the, uh, from a social standpoint, they're involved in so many different things. So equality for women, you know, they didn't drop Kaepernick, whether you agree with what Kaepernick did or not, they didn't drop him. They actually were like, no, let's, let's stick by this guy. He's got someone to say, look at what's going on just now because of that, right? They had a controversy, I want to say it was in the 80s, about factories and how they were using labor that was uh, frowned upon, shall we say, because they weren't paying enough. Now they're renowned worldwide for having the best factories with the best conditions, looking after people, putting back into those economies. So they took something really negative. Again, this is a leadership thing. Took something really negative, turned it into a positive. And now they're the industry standard and other companies basically have to replicate what they call the Nike standards at different factories throughout the world. Um, you know, there's just so much more than an athletic brand there, but I think beyond it all. Well, they've adapted. Like, what's that? So they've adapted it to a more of an athleisure brand even too. I mean, God, their clothing is freaking expensive just for like a casual attire, not like actual athletic attire. It's like, woo, that's, that's an expensive coat. I have shoes that I bought for 200 bucks that are still in the box, never worn that I can sell for 2,500 bucks because that's of the I mean, they, to your point, they've become a collector item, right? Um, an iconic. Do you remember a couple years ago, three years ago when Justin Timberlake performed at the Super Bowl? Yeah. Everybody was focused on JT. I was focused on his shoes. He wore, a pair, he wore a pair of Jordan 3s that had never been made that Tinker Hatfield, that's one of their head designers, made. And so everybody's focused on how great a show it was. And I'm like, those shoes don't exist. What is he wearing? They've got a Nike Air symbol on the back. It's supposed to be a Jordan symbol. Like geeking out. <laughs> You're getting all hot and bothered talking about the shoes, huh? But the transition again, and we've talked about this already, transition from Phil Knight was a visionary guy, right? Never the greatest business guy, but he was a visionary. And now the CEO is a guy called John Donahue, Donahue, sorry. And um, he's the one that before he was CEO started the collaborations with, guess who, Apple. So two of my favorite brands work seamlessly together. I've got a Nike Apple watch. Um, I sound like a fanboy, but I, you I, are. I buy brands and I'm brand. Well, aren't the, maybe just full disclosure, you're an ambassador for Nike too, right? Or something. So you yeah. get, yeah, you're, 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 uh, you're getting paid to talk about Nike. Too. It's not paid. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah. But no, so I'm brand conscious. I'm very brand loyal, but I'm loyal beyond just what it looks like, what it feels like and what it is. I'm like, what are you beyond that? And all of the companies I'm loyal to, whether it be Apple, Nike, T-Mobile, they're doing so much more in the grander scheme to be make the world better. And I think that's what draws me to, to things. So, you know, like you could put a pair of Lululemon shorts in front of me and they might be the most comfortable shorts. And I'm like, it doesn't have a swoosh on it. I'm not interested. I'm just loyal. I'm going to sometime. I'm going to have like, I'm going to get like some Walmart shorts and put like a Nike, have a Nike swoosh embroidered on it. So you think that it's Nike and see what you do. Just because it has a logo on it doesn't make it Nike. People have knockoff Louis Vuittons. It's not a Louis. Yeah. But, so Okay. My last company, and then I need to wrap it up. Okay, good. But um, we're about an hour in anyways, I think, is Costco, I mentioned. It's like, and it's totally different when you think about it from the rest of the companies that I've talked about, too. For one, I like that it's Pacific Northwest, baby, comes out of the great PNW here. But also, 
you think about Costco and the demographic of people that shop there, it's everybody. Like you got people on state assistance and you got people who are rolling up in freaking Bentleys that are shopping at Costco. It's like the common equalizer here. It's, it's, I mean, it's not Nordstrom's. It's not, it's not anything. It's, we sell things in bulk at cheap prices, get you in, get your stuff and get out. Right. And get a buck 50 hot dog while you're at it too, which is a whole different podcast we could talk about, about lost leaders. Right. But it's and Laura and I were talking about it. Uh, Laura and my wife a little bit before Costco, like everyone you talk to that works at Costco likes working at Costco. It's like they treat their people well, they pay them well, they have good benefits packages. Again, going back to that caring for their team, like they really seem to care for their team mm-hmm. and, and they make a lot of money doing it. That's why that's like, I think they've had such great growth. Yeah. I'll say a couple things about Costco. I know I you will. Them. That's why I stepped back for a second. I love them and I hate them. <laughs> um now, I shop there on occasion. Um, I, I don't find them to be cheaper, to be honest. I just find that you can buy bigger sizes and things. That There's the odd thing that's cheaper. They've got good deals, I guess. Um, but it's absolutely an exercise in greed and gluttony and all things that I hate. Um, and the, you mean going there? No, I just mean when you watch people at Costco, like walking, and it's like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a stuff guy. Like I've said this before, I'm 100% an experienced guy. You say, hey, you can go to the Super Bowl one time and you'll be broke for the rest of your life. I'm taking that. Or you could say, hey, you can have a million dollars. I'm going to the Super Bowl one time and broke the rest of my life, which doesn't equate to most people. Um, but I'll be able to tell that story and relive that Super Bowl over and over and over again. I think I'd take the million dollars and go buy a ticket to the Super Bowl. Obviously, if you've got a, we've got a dichotomy, you can do one or the other. You can't do both. Like, this is the last ever Super Bowl. You can go to it or you can get a million dollars. I'm going to the Super Bowl, right? So I'm very much, uh, we talked about this before we started recording. When people give me gifts, it's awkward, not because I don't like receiving things, but often I'm like, thanks. I don't know that I'm ever going to use this. And I'm a chronic re-gifter, right? So when I watch people at Costco going down the aisle and going, I'm going to take four of those lights for the house, hey, do we have a bunch of screwdrivers? And then they've got screwdrivers in there and they go to the next one and it's like, hey, this vodka's on special. Do you drink vodka? No, but it's only $10, so get three bottles of it. And then I'm going through Costco because I've got it kind of memorized. And it's like, let's get through. I've got a million grapes. I've got 40,000 bananas. I've got 18 steaks. So then in the whole way, you're eating samples and all the rest of it. And then people go through the clothes and it's like, hey, do you need a jacket? No. But it's only $30. Well, I guess we should get it because I might need it. So then I call it, the. it used to be the $100 store. Now it's a $200 store. You go there with a list of things to get and you leave with 100 things you don't need. So like I said, I well, love it. It doesn't take much to get to $100. Lauren and I was talking about that. Five items or less and you're at $100. Yeah. And I mean, they sell things in sizes where it's like nobody needs that many cashew nuts. Nobody needs a friggin' like you're just going to eat those chips like i have one of those cashew nuts containers in my pantry right now i have them as well but a portion of them <laughs> but you said need <laughs> nobody needs that many exactly so um, but yeah they sell things in quantity that it's just like okay so because i will give you an example though so i just would bought quilted northern at rosars 
okay. was twenty dollars, twenty two dollars. I can't remember for a twelve pack. Uh-huh. Okay, then I went to Costco, bought the same quilted Northern for twenty dollars, and it was a thirty pack. That okay. pissed me off a little bit. Um, I buy that stuff on Amazon. Although I've not been able to do that since March for some reason. Apparently, everybody thought they were going to run out of toilet paper when COVID came. Um, but yeah, so nothing but the best for my butt. I don't hate Costco in the sense that they are a good company. They're ethical. They look after their people. I dislike Costco in the sense that I'm like, ah, you do. I think Costco is the number one contributor to obesity. <laughs> Maybe not the number one, but. <laughs> Maybe not, but well, well, everybody. <laughs> before Stephen rambles on about Costco, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get sued. Costco don't sponsor us. Yeah, a couple things I want to go over: housekeeping items, if I can, though, Ben. Okay, quick. Social medias: like, distribute, share, rate, review, all that fun stuff. And if you're still listening, send us a topic idea. Shoot us an email, send us an Instagram message. If you know us personally, you can text, call, whatever. But I would like to get feedback on what topics you guys would like to hear me and Ben argue about. I mean, discuss. Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter whatever stance I take. Even if Stephen agreed, he would play devil's advocate. I think there's a, there's a certain uh, admirable quality there. When I play devil's advocate, I'm not doing it to be contrary. I'm just saying, hey, have you thought about this angle? And let's discuss it. So he's just doing it to be a dick. Yeah, I'm not a politician. Like I don't just take the contrary angle just because we're different. <laughs> See, you just had to slip politics in, didn't you? I hate politics. <laughs> That's why we couldn't talk about it. I was like, "There's no way your biases are going to come out, and it's there. not going to be good." There's a good podcast there. If we talk politics, I just it might be something I have to do on my own. Yeah, you can just go Facebook Live on your own feed and do that. I'll do what I want. Um, also just want to say congrats to Ben again you guys he's got a beautiful baby boy his family's complete he's going to get the snip Um, can we live stream you getting the snip oh my god no (laughs) maybe not the actual procedure I just want to be there when you wake up when I'm crying (laughs) what does it feel like to have a scalpel on your balls (laughs) yeah yeah all right and you'll find out steven yeah so we we appreciate you sorry for the rambling at the end here guys uh until the next time be good, good to, yourself. to yourselves and to each other oh you dick <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs>